Last time, we dealt with some very real questions, but thank God we have answers for them. The first was, how are we supposed to know things, or how do we get to know things in this life? We found out that God is the one who gives us knowledge. We found out that we get to receive God's knowledge when we follow God, not man, not parents, not our own minds or selves apart from God. Who gets to receive knowledge from God? Well, to review, the ones who follow the light that they do have from God and and walk in the light that they have about God get to receive knowledge from God. So if you have present light from God or about God and you know maybe on the inside that there is a God or you're led to believe I should find out more about God or there's a reason to believe in God or why do so many people believe in God? That's light. You have light that there's something more to this life than just what you see. If you walk towards that light, you will receive knowledge from God. He will let you know, yes, I am here. And yes, you can seek me and find me and also gain many great benefits by doing so. That light may be that there is a God. That light could be that I just know that there's something more out there. The Word of God says that the invisible things that can be perceived to a degree are perceived by the things that are visible. That's Romans 1 and 20. So pretty much it's saying that we can look at what's seen and see some details about the things that are not seen. Also, someone who is being drawn by the Father can receive knowledge and someone who has prepared himself or herself. I'm going to find out if there is a God. That type of mentality can receive knowledge from God. Then we asked if we are supposed to know. If we are, are we supposed to know? Is it God's will that we know these things? Or do we just kind of sneak up on God and he's like, whoa, how'd you get here? Well, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 2 through 3 shows us that it is definitely God's idea and his will that we know much more than we know now. Not only does he hear us and answer us, but he actually wants to hear us and answer us. Thank God for that. So now that we know that we should have knowledge, then it is God's will for us to have knowledge, and we know who gets to actually receive that knowledge. Let's look at what this knowledge is that we should have. So what knowledge should we have? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, 17 through 18. It says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware. So, you know some things beforehand, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So let's take a moment, pause right there. That's a warning for the believer. Did you know that a believer can fall? There are plenty of places in the Word of God on this particular topic. Let's just add another witness to this. So Psalms chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. So ceases means to stop. So the godly man stops. He stops being godly. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. This is what the Word of God says. How does this person fall? Well, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says, they're being led away with the error of the wicked. So, that's evil communication. Did you know evil communication can corrupt good manners? That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. So, they follow after the error of the wicked. They follow after the error of who? The wicked. Are these big, huge sins like murder? No, error means, error here 
means fraudulence, but also straying from orthodoxy or piety, deceit to deceive, delusion or error. So they just fall away from walking in the right path that they knew to walk in. So he's saying beware. So sometimes you can know, and many times I may have a conversation with someone and they'll say, well, I used to be religious. Well, they fell away. You know, they say, but not anymore. You know, they fell away from, and many times, many times, the majority of times, usually they were influenced to fall away. Someone came up with something said that caused them to have doubt. And instead of going to God and saying, is this true? How do you find this out? What happened? Can you explain this? They just say, well, it must not be true. And they just did just whatever conclusion is drawn from whatever someone is saying. So Psalms chapter one, verse one through two says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. And his delight's in the law of the Lord. This is what he enjoys. This is what he delights in. And when you're meditating like that and you're spending time in the Word of God, well, just go and check out the rest of that chapter. That's uh, Psalms chapter 1. You'll see the result of that man. So, going back to Second Peter chapter 3. Let's look at verse 18. It says, but grow in grace. So instead of being led away with the error of the wicked, uh, like I said in verse 17, it says, instead grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So grow in grace. This is how we grow. These two things. Grow in grace. We can grow in two things. Grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They're both related. We're going to see how. Now, let's first of all start off with Jesus Christ. Grace, most people will just take that. Like, oh yes, grace sounds good, sounds positive. When we get to growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's, we have to unpack that because so many things have been uh, challenged about whether or not Jesus was the Son of God and whether or not He's from heaven. Let's look at what the Word of God says about it. John chapter 13. So what does God want us to learn about Christ? Why should we learn about Christ? John chapter 13, verse 31 says, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. But this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So this is Jesus speaking of himself, and he's saying, he gave him a new commandment, that we should love one another, even as he loved us, and that we also love one another to the same degree. Now, Jesus laid down his life for everybody else. We can talk about the gravity and the level of his love, but that's for another time. What I want to find out, and I'm sure they want to find out, is where is he going? Because he just said, 
little children, yet a little while, I'm with you for a little while, you're going to seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I'm saying the same thing to you. So I'm like, where's he going? Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou or where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. So that seems kind of vague. However, we do know he is leaving and this is his answer for where he's going. So they're sorrowful because Jesus is everything to them right now. John chapter 14 continues reading. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So, where are you going? He said, don't be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. That's a big statement. Believe in, If you believe in God, believe also in me. So, in the same way. Now, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. That's God's, he said that God is his father in other places of the word of God. He says, if it's not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So he's preparing a place for his people. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you might be also. There you may be also. And where I go, you know, in the way you know. Now, let's see what they say to this. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where you go, or whither you goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. So how do you get to where you're going? And what's the way? Jesus responds and saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, or from now forward, you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us, or it will satisfy us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believeth Believe me for the very work's sake. So, we found a couple things. Jesus said, I'm leaving. Now, this is the question we're trying to answer. Why should we learn about Christ? Why does God want us to learn about Christ? So, Jesus is saying, I'm leaving. Where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you'll be with me after. They say, where are you going? He says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you in my father's house. I'm going to come again and get you and bring you to that place. And then... They say, well, how are we going to get there? What's the way to get there? What's the way to get to God, pretty much? Because he said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, you didn't say I'm a way, and I'm a life. I'm a truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, now, in case we think, well, you maybe. 
that's a mistranslation to say I'm the way, the truth, the life. Maybe that he's trying to be prideful there or something. He says, no man can come to the Father but by me. So he's saying there's, it's impossible, actually, to come to the Father unless you go through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what do we have here? We have where Jesus is going. He's going to God. What is he doing? He's preparing a place for his people. How do we get there? How do we get to God? How do we get to this place that he's prepared? Through him. Then he says, if you have known me, you should have known the Father. But now you know him and have seen him. Philip says, how? How? This isn't making any sense. How can you say to us that we need to, that we've seen the Father? So Philip says, show us the Father and that'll be enough. You can just show us the Father. We'll maybe understand some more. Jesus tells him, I've been so long time with you and you have not known me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a big claim. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believe not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The works that I, the words that I speak, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he, do, he does the works. So everything I'm saying is of God, and everything I'm doing is of God. Now this is why the disciples did not doubt him. They did not turn around and say, you know what, we're out of here. This guy's crazy. Imagine somebody saying that. Everything I do is because of God. Maybe skeptical at least, right? Like, well, maybe you're a nice guy. Maybe God is behind that. But Jesus has walked on water, has raised people from the dead, has spoken to physical objects, and they changed. Like, he spoke to a fig tree. He said, you will not bear fruit anymore. Imagine going out to a tree saying, you're not going to have a leaf tomorrow. And not to, or you won't have a leaf anymore after this. And it doesn't change tomorrow it changes within a couple hours. All the leaves are gone. And it's the only one like that. That's pretty amazing. So, there's reason to believe in what Jesus is saying and add credibility to it. So, God wants us to learn about Christ. Why? Well, Jesus has told us God was in Christ. He's actually in Christ doing these works, doing these wonderful things. And they believe him because they know nobody else can do these things unless God is with him. And this is actually what the word of God actually reflects. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's affirm this. Can we find any other consistent witnesses with this of what he's saying? So, if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, now, Jesus is not the first-hand writer here, but if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, To wit, or know, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, or rejoining, reconnecting the world to himself, not imputing or not charging their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Let everybody know this is actually happening, and this has happened already. So the word of God says right here that God was in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. So these works that Christ was doing was by God. And nobody could really refute that that was around him, especially those that followed him the closest. They didn't see anything that was different in his private lifestyle that 
wasn't showing up in his public lifestyle. Jesus was consistent, consistent every way. So, let's look at another witness here. And we're going to look at John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, actually, let's look at verse 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, so he came at nighttime, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So this is all evidence to them that God is in this person's life. He's doing miracles. Nobody else can do miracles. He's not just teaching, and he's teaching in a way that you know makes you think, wow, there's something more to this person. He's doing miracles. Like, just right in front of our eyes, we're seeing these things take place. So, God was in Christ making those things happen. Now, the Word of God also says He is the head of all things. How do we know this? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. It says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. So, he's saying that your eyes be opened, that they see. That they that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is call, what he hopes you fulfill of his calling, what is the hope you can grasp of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are. So what he, the glory he's placed in the saints and the riches that is for our inheritance as saints, he wants us to know this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? So our understanding be enlightened that we may know the hope of his calling. What his, his calling is for us to accomplish the riches of the inheritance that we should receive. So what our calling that we should fulfill, the inheritance we should receive, and his power toward us. So he's given us power to do it, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This power is what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above, Christ is set at... God's own right hand in heavenly places when he was raised from the dead far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also that which is to come so Christ is above all powers all principalities every dominion every might not only in this world but also in that which is to come so there's nothing going to be different when we get to heaven we're not going to find out that oh there's a higher power no the power is the power that was wrought in Christ. The power that was working in Christ when he was raised from the dead. Now, verse 22 says, God put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So where is Jesus? He's in the church. Okay, not just the building church, but he's over the people church. So the building is not necessarily the church. That's where the church comes to meet. But the actual church is the people of God, 
And Christ is over the people of God. That's what that means, which is his body. So the people of God are his body. So if we were to act like this was an outline of a human being, Christ would be the head and the rest of and everyone else would be part of the body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. So our head, the head of all believers is in heaven. His body's on earth. So believers also should be able to work the power of God, have understanding from a God point of view, as long as we are operating in the body. Gifts unto men has been brought to you by the Lord Jesus Christ.